Hey everybody, it's Andrew. Welcome to another edition of Wander with... I've actually been thinking about changing the name of the podcast. And I know that sounds like a ridiculous thing to do at this point in the podcast's life and history. But I'm kind of thinking of changing it to The Wander Podcast. Is that a ridiculous idea? Do you think that's stupid? Let me know. I don't know why I like it as The Wander. But like... I don't know, the whole point of the podcast to me, and that is an ever-evolving thing too, is that it, it's just talking about life. And like as much as we want to believe that we understand why we are and all of that, we don't, right? As much as we think that we're on a path, as much as we may work really hard to delineate and pick every step on that path, we're, we don't know. It's all a wander forward. Everything is changing every day. Everything is changing in front of us. How we look at things, how we perceive things, we have to be flexible. We have to be willing to walk off of the path or else life is just not going to be fulfilling. It's not going to be truthful. It's not going to be honest. And my biggest fear in all of life is becoming one of those bitter, angry, old people so stuck in my ways and I'm not even just talking about conservative ways. I'm talking about progressive ways too. I just don't want to be, I don't, I want to be confident in what I say, especially when I tell people about what I believe, but I also don't want to be completely immobile, right? Like when you get super hippie about it, it's like the idea of water, Water is in a state of uh, it's it's in a state that is so solid that you know it is there. It is not air. It is you're not walking through it and forgetting it, but it is not in a state so solid that you cannot move through it, and it is not immobile. I don't know. Is that that's, that, did I just get super hippie but make no sense? That's a possibility. <laughs> Today's episode is all about microdosing magic mushrooms. Yes, I'm talking to a good friend of mine, a person I've known for over 20 years about microdosing magic mushrooms. I am not on any at this moment. I don't currently have any plans to take any, but she does have a very compelling reason to do so. And she makes a lot of great points, and it's very interesting to me. This has been a big conversation, um, especially in the podcasting world, about psychedelics, microdosing, all of this type of stuff. All of this stuff is being talked about a lot. I found everything very interesting. Um, and one thing when it comes to making your ideas mobile is the things that are classified as drugs and are not. I've always, I've never wanted to allow whether something is legal or le illegal within our current system to be the reason why I wouldn't do it. Um, but I'm just not a drug fan. Like I just, I'm not a fan of, of I don't know. I don't like to be high. I don't like that feeling uh, I have never been a fan of it like but this microdosing is not about getting high it's not even about a spiritual experience it's, it's about living better right like I thought it might be like a spiritual thing like better connected to the earth and that's is sort of a part of it but really it's about living better and she'll talk about that when we get into the actual podcast um, I totally am wandery today, but that's okay. This is the first episode of 2020. I'm super excited for this year. I really, really want to do 50 episodes this year. Um, I really want to, to talk to people about the craziest ideas that are out there in the world today, or just different ways of looking at our world today. So if you can think of guests that I should talk to, people I should reach out to, please let me know. I want to talk to the the rogues, man, the weirdos, the people who are off the beaten path and, and slowly changing our lives or causing us to look differently at our lives, which is like the best way you can change your life, I think sometimes, right? Like it's one of those ideas about control, right? We don't have control over everything. All we have control over is how we react to things. 
and what we do with our time, right? Um, but those people that make us use our time differently and inspire us to do those, man. I want to talk to those people. But anyway, we're talking about microdosing today. I swear to God I haven't done any of that before recording this podcast. Um, I really haven't. I'm not a, I've never been a, a drug person. I'm not just saying that because I'm hosting a podcast and people are listening to this. If I did, I would tell you. And I will freely admit and keep as honest with you as as humanly possible. I have done mushrooms once before in my life. It was not for a microdosing. It was not for a spiritual reason. It was not for anything other than to get a little high and have a little fun. A friend of mine and I... uh, ate a little bit of mushrooms and went to a concert, a little coffee house thing, thought it'd be kind of fun to do that. Very inexperienced, totally untrained. We ate some, we went there, nothing seemed to be happening. We were like, this is dumb, nothing's happening. We probably should eat some more. That was the bad idea. That was where the the train went off the tracks. Went back to her place, ate a couple bit more, uh, more, um, she actually did incredibly well on it. I, she still managed. We then invited more people over, and we had a whole night. And she managed to to, to host us the whole night. Uh, I was a mess on the floor, unable to communicate clearly, um, unable to eat properly. I, I ate so many candies. I thought I forgot how to swallow. So I was yelling like, oh my God, guys, I, because of the drugs, I forgot how to swallow. And they were like, no, you just have too many in your mouth. Just learn to chew. Um, that's my only experience with mushrooms. And that was over 20 years ago. And that's um, the last time I've experienced any sort of drug trip at all. Um, so it was interesting to have this conversation because this whole conversation about psychedelics is becoming bigger and bigger in the world. Uh, there's been new studies, there's new organizations studying psychedelics and their potential for what they can do for people's minds and for mental health. And our perception as people of these types of substances needs to shift because we've put them on the same list as cocaine and fentanyl. And they're not the same thing, right? Uh, Outside of the fact that they're not legal, there's really very little in common between the two. The experiences are very different. The addictive level is very different. All sorts of things are very, very different. I would never in my life touch fentanyl, cocaine, meth, um, those types of things. But I do get worried because I read some of the pills that are out there and the ingredients and one of the half of the ingredients or one of the ingredients starts with the word meth and I'm like, well, then it's just meth. <laughs> you know, like what's the difference? The legal drugs got meth in it. The mushrooms illegal, and it grew in the ground. Like I don't know. I, mean, I th- that's why where for me I think that our perception needs to change. So that's why I went looking for people that could have a conversation with me on this. Uh, I reached out to my friend Andrea. Um, because she's a person that you wouldn't necessarily think would right off the bat be talking to you about uh, microdosing magic mushrooms, she's a you know housewife in some ways, right? She's a mother. She's got a couple of kids. She's got a husband. You know, she's not the first person you perceive when you think, oh yeah, this person definitely does this type of thing. But um, she's incredibly smart about it. She's incredibly intelligent just on her own. Uh, she's such a sweet person. She's very thoughtful and she's entered this in, in, in all of those ways, right? Smart, thoughtful, intelligent. And she's really looking at this and doing this for herself in a way that's helping her and she's trying to help other people. So, She's currently one of the founders of neurogrowth.ca. It's a uh, rather new website which helps to educate people about microdosing on magic mushrooms. Um, And I definitely recommend checking it out. Well, listen to this podcast first. Let me know what you think. And then head on over to her website or her YouTube page. 
So neurogrowth.ca or youtube.com slash neurogrowth. You can check it out on there and uh, give it a listen. See what you think. Open up your mind a little bit to the possibility of microdosing magic mushrooms. Maybe. I don't know. It's up to you, man. Think about it. Just think about it. I don't know. It's a really cool conversation anyway. It's worth a listen. Here it is. Welcome to Wander with Andrew Wilcox. For anybody that doesn't know, specifically when it applies to mushrooms, what is microdosing? So microdosing is taking a subperceptual amount of magic mushrooms. So it's not enough to make you high or to make it so that you can't drive or anything like that. It's just enough to make you feel like yourself, just a better version of yourself. Yeah. So when you say it's not about getting high, then what is the reason that a person would want to take something like this? There's there's lots of reasons. Um, Biohacking is a huge reason. People want to, I think people are filling their days with lots of things. People have a lot of stress in 2020 and they're looking for ways they can be more focused and more productive. So that's one thing. Microdosing makes it easier to concentrate and stay focused. And uh, another huge reason is anxiety and depression. Um, There are certain pathways that are opened and connected in the brain when a person microdoses. And so it helps to you know, bring you into a state of calm um, without making you feel drowsy or without making you feel uh, stimulated. Because a lot of the things that people use to stay focused or to feel better these days are also stimulants. And that can, yeah. be, that can be quite harmful and uh, non-beneficial. And so microdosing is a way that you can, you know, accomplish some of these things without, without resorting to that. Yeah, when you talk about those types of things, a lot of things that people lean on, alcohol, coffee, you know, we all know that these things aren't healthy for us. Is there... Uh, this microdosing is there is there risks to that is there um you know what 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 would people expect in microdosing right so the first the first thing to know i guess about risks with microdosing is there haven't actually been any published clinical studies on it there are lots of universities that are that are in the process of that johns hopkins is one of them the university of toronto actually in canada um, and Imperial College in London would be the three biggest ones in the world that have large psychedelic centers that are currently in, um, doing clinical trials with respect to microdosing. So we don't have anything solid as far as um, dangers or risks. But um, one of the things I guess to consider is a lot of people wonder, is microdosing magic mushrooms addictive? Because we are talking about mm. that is a banned substance in Canada. And so there's a lot of stigma attached to that. And people often wonder, is it a highly addictive thing? Um, the thing about mushrooms is that mushrooms aren't uh, mushrooms aren't addictive. I know that sounds weird, but they're all, and they're also not toxic. Um, to be you know to take enough mushrooms to reach toxicity, you would literally have to consume like multiple kilograms of them. And so there's no risk of death from toxicity. There may be if you overconsume mushrooms, you know, death by other yeah, by yeah, other yeah. things. That you know a potential, um, and that and that has unfortunately happened in the past. But they're not, they're not toxic and they're not habit-forming. But one thing about mushrooms is they do, you do build up a tolerance with them. So as far as microdosing risk goes, when people are taking a microdose of mushrooms, we're really only talking about 100 to 200 milligrams of mushrooms. So you're not talking about um, a tripping dose at all. And so when you take magic mushrooms, um, you, build, you do build up a bit of a – you can build up a bit of a tolerance. So we usually um, – with microdosing, people would recommend that you take, like, maybe microdose for five days in a row and take a couple of days off. And there's um, lots of scientific reasons for that, which, which I'm going to get into if you want me to, mm. but basically what it does is it allows your brain to reset and your tolerance also drops very rapidly. So that allows you to reset and then resume your microdosing regimen um, without the risk of um, becoming too tolerant and he- keeping having the updose and take more and more and more. Yeah. So I think, I think, um, I think the, the, the microdosing conversation has been happening a lot. We kind of talked about this earlier in that, you know, w- w- we had our eyes opened as a country in a lot of ways when pot got legalized and CBD all of a sudden becomes something that people are looking at and going, oh, this is an actual option for a, a natural uh, healer that we can all use. And I think people are now looking at microdosing as sort of in a similar vein. So I think we need to change our thought process from this being, 
a banned illegal drug to something that can have healthy benefits like that. We're already uh, eating mushrooms in, in other ways, in different ways. This is just a different uh, type of mushroom. Uh, would you say that that's a part of the reason why this conversation has been coming up now? Yeah, it's definitely becoming more socially acceptable and cannabis definitely did did lead the way. Um, I don't know that decriminalization or full legalization of mushrooms is um, just just literally like right around the corner. I think, you know, based on um, how fast cannabis was able to become uh, decriminalized and legalized, um, I think we're still looking at that being a few years down the road, but it's opened up the conversation. People are starting to see that um, there are natural products, not natural products so much, but natural foods, natural plants that... Um, that have been used for centuries mm-hmm. and in some cases maybe even thousands of years or hundreds of thousands of years, depending yeah. on who you talk to, which research you should reach through you talk to um, for medicinal purposes. And we're starting to see that, you know, these things don't have the effects that people maybe thought that they thought that they did. And just because some psychedelics have a bad rap um, and were used inappropriately, doesn't mean that there is no use for psychedelics in our society. Yeah, and from some of the stuff that I've listened to, I think the big part of it is, is it's not it's it's not something that you should enter into without thought. Um, it for anybody that was interested in this is is that something that you can provide to people um, is guidance on how to use it and how much to use and all of those types of things. Yeah, if so people are looking for that information. Yeah, one of our one of our goals as um, as a media company is to produce content that helps people who are interested in microdosing magic mushrooms. Which we have lots of YouTube videos and things of that nature up to help answer like some of those some of those FAQs about like how yeah. much do I, what kind of a schedule should I take it on? Um, how do I find the correct dosage for me? Because not every like I say, a microdose is 100 to 200 milligrams. Well. That's, that's generally true, but there's people who are really sensitive to um, substances and mm. they might start with a 50 milligram dose. And then there's other people who might need a 300 milligram dose. But I would argue, I, I've heard people say like, I take an 800 milligram microdose. That's not a microdose. <laughs> <laughs> a 300, 300 milligrams. I off. took a six gram microdose. <laughs> right. I took yeah. a six gram microdose yeah. and forgot what it was. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and thought it was a chair for a week. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, it wouldn't be a no, week. You wouldn't be for that much. No, no. And I'm not casting any shade on, on taking a negative. I do believe that there's a, you know, a time and a place, um, you know, in a person's spiritual journey to do that. But it's definitely not a microdose. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. And I mean, that's the thing too, is, is I think some, I think there's a lot of people that would listen to the conversation that we're having and going, why would I want to take something that's a banned substance? And then there's a cru- group of people that would listen to it in the opposite way. Why would I want to take it if it's not going to get me high? Uh, right. right. And I think, um, I think the microdosing is a good way to go at it because it's not about getting high. I think it's about in the end, the spiritual part of it or the feeling connected to the universe part of it. However, your spirituality is formed I think that's a big part of it. Would you not agree with that? Yeah. I mean, with microdosing, the thing of it is with microdosing is most people aren't going to feel, um, feel hugely different when they take it. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to, you're not going to see visuals. Um, but for example, like if you might, one of the things I like to do is sometimes microdose and take a ride on, take a ride on my bike. Yeah. And one of the things that I notice is just like the wind feels a little bit better in your hair. Mm. Like we're talking subperceptual things here. You know, the smell of the grass just might be, you know, a little more delightful that day, or um, the sky might just feel, seem a little more blue to you. You know, it's not, it's not about strong visualizations, but even better than that. Like, I think the cool part of it is I noticed, for example, with cycling, that when I'm riding my bike, I just feel more connected to my movement and I feel mm-hmm. more connected to um, my body and more more awareness. And it's it's just kind of a nice, beautiful thing. And it allows you to really immerse yourself into a moment without without being high and without it being a distraction from the things that you actually have to do and get done in the world. And, you know, so, you can, so it's, not, it's not like you can't go to work. It's not like you can't, you know, spend the day with your mom or whatever, right? It's, yeah. it's and you, and you and you feel as though you can operate a bicycle with no problem, right? Yes. Parent my children. Maybe I, I would argue I'm a better parent when I'm a <laughs> Well, that's the thing too, is like for somebody to be having a conversation like this, uh, 
generally the person a person would think about having a conversation about microdosing mushrooms. You have a uh, 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 a stereotype in your head that you're going to talk to some dread dreadlocked hippie about this, uh, not a, a married mother of two who's got their life together. Uh, I think you're a good spokesperson in that sense is that, you know, it's not about the, the getting high. It's not about the, Hey man, you got to do this, man. It's about just adding that little bit of whatever to your life. Right. Yeah. Like, like I noticed in, like when talking about being a mom who, a mom who microdoses, one of the things I noticed is I'm just a little bit more patient with my kids and a little bit more connected. Like, more when they come in, they tell me about their day. Anybody who has a daughter in junior high, like I do, is going to relate to maybe a chatty, chatty young person that comes home from school and can talk your ear off about, you know, all of their friends, all of the boys, and all of the weird, random, random things that might catch a junior high kid's attention, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes, as much as we love our children, it can be really easy to, you know, kind of tune out. And, um, you know, you're busy making dinner and you're not super interested. But I noticed that when I microdose them, more. Um, more connected to their experiences and then the shared experience of, you know, learning about these things and discussing these things together. So it's, um, it's, it's really nice from that perspective. Well, that's, that seems to me at least. And I think to a lot of people would uh, be the opposite of what people would think when they consider a person taking what they would see as a drug. They think, Oh, you're just going to get high and tune out of the world. But yeah. if it seems to be doing the opposite, I think that's great. Uh, and as we were kind of talking before, um, maybe we need to sometimes change our perception that this is a natural thing that grows in the, in the plant, on the, on the planet. It's not necessarily a drug in the sense of, you know, cocaine is a drug, you know, that type of idea. You know, I think your guy, your approach, your group's approach, um, is looking at it as a natural product in the way that we look at other health food products. And one of the biggest problems that we have in the world today definitely is attention, right? Mm-hmm. We have a lot of, we have a big problem with attention. It's incredibly tough to be present, right? It's incredibly tough to be present when your phone's going off 15 minutes, every 15 seconds, when you're, you can watch entire television series while you're, getting ready for the, you, you can do 18 different things at one time, but you don't truly put yourself into any of it. If there's something that can help you better experience the moment, I think there's something amazing about that. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, there's a lot of intention behind it. Like I don't recommend people just go out there and just think if I just take this um, capsule with these magic mushrooms in it that I'm automatically going to feel more connected. I think it's really important to um, treat it like a medicine okay. and um, not like, like, not like a recreational drug. Yeah. It's not going to be, you know, the same things that a recreational drug would do, but really look at why you're wanting to do it. And in setting an intention, it's not like setting a goal, like a goal is something that has a specific outcome. Like setting an intention might be, I'm going to be a more um, empathetic person to today. Like that, there's no specific outcome attached to that. Or it might be, um, I'm going to, you know, try to be a better partner um, in a certain way. Or it might be about um, when I exercise today, I'm going to really listen to my body and think about how I feel and, you know, how my, my how my body responds to this exercise and what's happening and, you know, it's, so it's really, it's, it's some it's kind of a meditative process also to set an intention, but it really helps you to stay in tune and to, you know, as to why you're doing it. And I find it, it helps if I journal those things and then go back to them, you know, when I'm microdosing on those days and really try to like zone into like why and hone in on, sorry, hone in on why, mm. I'm, why I'm microdosing and what my purpose is in doing this. Because it's not, it might be made with magic mushrooms, but um, using magic mushrooms as a medicine. There's nothing magical about the healing from it. It's, it's a lot of it is what's going on inside of you. It's not a magic bullet. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, like any of those types of, uh, ideas, right. It, it, you, nothing's going to be a magical solution to all of your problems. You're not all of a sudden, oh, I'm going to just going to take this and I'm going to be super, super, super focused. No, yeah. you have to do the rest of the work around it, even though it's going to help you hopefully, uh, step by step. Uh, yeah. I, 
how does one like look for the research on this type of stuff? Like I know, as you mentioned, there's several places that are doing that. I've been listening to a couple of podcasts from some of the people involved in doing that. I think it's super interesting now because I think there was a big thing in the sixties about these types of drugs. So magic mushrooms, LSD, DMT, um, ayahuasca, all of those ones were kind of taken a look at in the sixties used wrong, used poorly, uh, used without a lot of thought. Um, and then the governments sort of just went, whoa, 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 whoa. All of this stuff has got to come to a complete, complete stop now. And now over the last little while, even the governments have been looking at them and going, hold on here. Like, I think we might be missing an opportunity for, you know, especially with you know, CBD starting it off, but like DMT, all of those ayahuasca, uh, people looking at people with anxiety and people with like those severe uh, feelings of disconnection from people and uh, just extreme feelings of fear. Um, they're finding that ways that the, the, these types of, uh, of products can help people, right? Right. Um, is that part of the goal as well within, when it comes to the microdosing is, is to help people with those types of anxieties? Definitely, yes. It's, microdosing, there is a lot of, um, there's a lot of anecdotal evidence, certainly, and there's a lot of uh, research coming out that shows that it's really good for generalized anxiety, mm-hmm. um, depression, um, those types of things. There's a, few, uh, there's a few conditions that it's not great for. It's not good for psychosis. So if you have um, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, personality disorder, um, microdosing can actually make those symptoms worse. That's no, not good. Yeah. So it's not, for, it's not for everybody. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like anything, it's not for everybody. Um, but microdosing does work well for, for most people. But alcohol, alcohol, that's a word. Uh, alcohol is not for everybody. You know, right. like in the end, alcohol is not for everybody. We li- we like to think that it's for everybody. And because it's legal, I think we accept a lot of people that shouldn't have it, having it. Um, I think that, I think that some of these things, like, I think part of why I'm having the conversation with you today is I think that some of these things we have to look on at them uh, in less of a black and white way and just go, oh, that's an illegal drug. We don't talk touch that with a 10 foot pole alcohol's cool we just drink the heck out of that and if people are having a problem with it you know we'll we'll fix them um but, but a mushroom is a, is a, it's a natural thing these and things and it's not habit forming and it's not habit forming right mushrooms are not habit forming um, which is something that not a lot of people know yeah so i mean that this is mean it can't be abused so like that's absolutely. the difference that right away just because something's not habit forming doesn't mean that it can't be abused. Um, mushrooms, just like any substance, can be abused, but it isn't habit forming. And so that makes it safer than a lot of the things that people are currently using, whether it's legal, whether it's prescription, whether it's self medication, yeah. uh, treat, to, you know, and to cope with some of the 2020 stresses, right? That we face. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that's a, but I think that's a, a super massive point to all of this is that, um, it is something that can be abused, but it is something that can do something incredible. And it depends on the person and the state in which they go in there and how they approach these types of things that really is the most important. So for you and for the team that you work with, that's kind of your, your goal, I think, in the end, is, that, is to help people to approach this. Because you're not in the, in the sales end of it. Right? No, no, we're not in the sales of it, but it's to provide education and to show people that like this is an alternative modality for human optimization. Essentially, like everybody's out there looking to be a better, a better version of themselves. Mm. I'm looking to be a better Andrea. You're looking to be a better Andrew, right? I could, and, I could settle by being somebody completely different. <laughs> if, I, if that was a possibility, I'd switch. Uh, <laughs> At least just to get rid of the knee pain. That is the one thing. If it could help me with knee pain, I would microdose till the cows come home. But oh, there's, no. there's, 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 there's things that we can talk to you about about, <laughs> knee, about <laughs> with microdosing. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Um, you, you can combine micro, my, uh, magic mushrooms with um, other functional, totally legal mushrooms that um, have medicinal purposes and some of them are really good for like neuropathy and nerve pain and um, reducing stress 
and inflammation and all these all these magical properties of totally legal mushrooms. And so there's ways that you can combine them and stack them. We call it stacks. So it's called a stacking mm-hmm. to optimize um, magic mushrooms even more and to get them working better for you. Huh. <laughs> so I gotta try. I gotta try some. I'm. I'm. I'm a I like. I love having conversations about this because I'm super excited by these types of new ideas. But like myself personally, I am such a skeptic and like a old school natural per like old school meat and potatoes human being. Uh, yeah. But like every time I get excited about these types of ideas because I love, I love, um, I love the idea of of you know, the brain is such a fascinating thing. And we know so little in so many ways and in so much in so many other ways about how in order to work with it. Um, and part of the reason for this podcast is, is the world is just constantly changing every day. It's just in a constant, uh, constant state of change. It's hard for people to navigate that. Um, and I'm always looking for navigators. And that's what I found interesting about what you're doing is that I, what I think is what you're doing is, is trying to help people navigate through this idea uh, yeah. because there's definitely bonuses uh, to it. But you seem, and what I like about it is that you seem to have a pretty good balanced idea of looking at what the positives and negatives of what this can do are. Uh, what is the state of legalization of magic mushrooms right now in the country? Um, it depends on what kind of, do you mean in Canada? Or in Canada. Canada. Yeah, okay. we'll start with Canada. Yeah, so in Canada, magic mushrooms are a completely illegal substance. Um, that being said, there's no magic, there doesn't appear to be a magic mushroom task force out there that's yeah, yeah, yeah. looking away, you know, looking at taking people's magic mushrooms away from them. It doesn't, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of that going on. Um, so, like, I, I know there's lots of people who grow, who choose to grow magic mushrooms and things like that. And you don't hear, you don't really hear in the news about drug busts with yeah, yeah. Right? with mushrooms, they're, right? They're pretty, they're pretty obsessed right now with busting, busting people for like fentanyl, um, you know, which, even which illegal marijuana. Because, you know, that's taxable now. Well, that's just, <laughs> so, that's just eliminating the competition now. Yeah. Now and, they're and busting pot because of that. Hard. Harder drugs like cocaine and heroin, and you hear about it with stuff like that all the time. Um, but you don't really hear about it with mushrooms. That being said, I mean, like it does happen from time to time, and there are Absolutely. there are stuff that happens with it. But it's it's totally illegal. It's illegal to um, sell them. It's illegal to um, it's illegal to grow them. It's illegal to use them. Um, yeah. But, so it, do, but do we know where the fight is right now? Is there any legal? Um, is there any court cases going on right now? Is there any legislations that's been presented to, to potentially change this situation? Or are we kind of in a state of limbo on that sense? I know that there's people working, working on it, working on decriminalization. And there's talks about whether or not decriminalization and legalization is good for, um, good for mushrooms as a medicine. You can make the same argument with cannabis, right? Mm. Like, I don't know. I know a lot of. I've seen some. I've seen some government cannabis recently. Yeah, this is this is actually the first time I saw some some government uh, some government cannabis, and it was just actually last night, and it was not so great. And I but I've seen I've seen beautiful illegal cannabis that's uh, that's so much better than the stuff that you saw. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I have not I haven't touched marijuana in twenty years, but. I was, when the legalization happened, I'm like, I don't know if this is going to be the best thing for people who really like pot. The quality and the variety. I mean, I don't, I don't smoke marijuana um, or, or use marijuana at all, Mm -hmm. but, um, but I, I see, uh, I see a lot of it. Yeah. (laughs) um, We all know people, you know. Yeah, we all know, we all know people. Because, because it's, it's such a big thing. It's not like we're in a special group of people. I think everybody knows a lot of people. It's like one of those things. (laughs) I knew, I I knew quite a few cops that liked pot. Like, it was a little ridiculous that it was illegal because so many people were participating in it. Yeah. And I don't know. It's so weird to me that it doesn't take a genius, right? Like you can look at stuff that's homegrown and it's fresh, and you can look at stuff that's in a little box, you know, from a cannabis store. 
that may or may not be, and I'm not, I'm not casting shade on the cannabis stores necessarily either. Like, I mean, it provides an avenue for people mm. to access cannabis if they, if they, no other way and, and in a legal way. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's fantastic. But the quality sometimes just isn't, isn't there. And so I understand, and people have loyalties too, right? People have loyalties to somebody who's been providing them with a, maybe an excellent yeah. quality plant medicine for, or, or recreational drug, however you use it for, for many, many years. And they don't want to deviate from, I, I, I don't know. I, I think this, I'm, I'm, I still think the legalization in the end is a good thing, but I think that yeah. I think the, well, for a lot of, a sure. lot of people who are really liked marijuana, I don't think it, uh, it didn't really change their lives a whole lot. They kind of went from calling their dealer to still calling their dealer. But, uh, I think in the long run it's good. I think they still have a lot of things to figure out. I think the, the launch was super botched at least, uh, at least here in Canada, I don't know how the Amer- the, the the one in Denver or, or L.A. went in America, but I think they launched a they botched the launch a lot in Canada. But I, I still think that has a lot of evolution to do for it. I th- I think that there's going to be an evolution for for mushrooms as well. But I don't what know. I like, uh, oh, I was just to say what I like about decriminalization and legalization is that ultimately it puts something that can be good for a large number of people. Um, a natural and a, and a healthier alternative in many respects into more yeah and I think that it changed perception like there's no doubt that legalization of something changes a lot of people's perception on it I don't think about things in the sense of legal I, legal or le- illegal I think in the moment in the sense of like is this good for people or is this not right yeah. um I never didn't or did did or didn't smoke pot because it was illegal or wasn't illegal or whatever. I, and I don't think that's going to change a lot of people's minds because of that. Um, but I do think for general societal perception, there's been a positive force in that. And I think one of the thing, biggest areas they've seen growth in marijuana use, or at least CBD oil use, is in seniors. Yeah. Right? <laughs> And the thing is, too, is that, like, it has to, like, people often look at it and they're like, oh, you know, using these illegal substances is so bad. But with, I don't know, like, if, if marijuana, if people wouldn't have used marijuana when it was illegal, it would never have been decriminalized no. and it would never have been legalized. And it's the same thing with mushrooms. So are there some risks um, for people who uh, microdose? I'd say the biggest risk that you, you could experience is just getting caught with it. Yeah. Um, and the chances of you getting caught with it are pretty low. Um, but there has to be... You have you have to have, I guess, the willingness sometimes to step outside the box and to do something that's a bit risky mm. in order to benefit the greater good sometimes. And that's the only way perceptions change because if nobody uses this medicine and if nobody treats and if nobody tre- uses microdoses and uses mushrooms in this way, it's never going to be something that's going to be decriminalized or yeah. fully legalized. Is there evidence <laughs> of... Is there is there evidence of the practice of microdosing in 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 past cultures? Um, not that I know of. Yeah, I'd be really interested to see if that. I mean, I I, I feel like there must have been. I, I just I don't know. I wonder if there has been. Well, people 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 have nibbled at herbs and. And that's what like, I mean, right? Like. Right, like I mean, you can you know if you're hiking in the woods, you can you know, pull a piece of yarrow from the ground and you can chew the root of the of yarrow and that's a natural antidepressant, right? And you're just getting a tiny amount of that plant, but you can walk around chewing yarrow all day while you're hiking look, up. Look, hippie, I don't know what yarrow is. What's, <laughs> oh, I no, I don't. What is it? Is it like a... Um, it's like, it's just like a little, it's, a, it's an herb. So you yeah. see it, it growing and it, it's a, it can grow to various heights, um, maybe knee height or a little higher. It's kind of common. And, but it can also grow fairly low and it's got um, like kind of a little bush of little tiny white flowers on it. But yeah, people, if people look it up, Yarrow, it's very, very common in Alberta. Huh. You find it everywhere. You probably see it on every, you've seen it on walking paths probably your whole life. <laughs> but see, but that, that, that to me is what is the difference about that than if magic mushrooms grew all over the place and if you just took a little bit of them, you felt better. There's no difference. In exactly. Opinion. This is what I mean, right? Like this is where, this is why mushrooms to me are the biggest one that I sit there and go like, I think that, I think we have to look at it differently, right? Yeah. Like I, I, like other drugs, things that are classified as drugs um, or like illegal drugs or banned substances or however they look at the words. But, you know, like I always just find it funny. Like to me, like you can take a, a, a pill that, 
subscribe from your doctor, then you look at the ingredients on it, and the one is meth, meth of something, meth, anything with the word meth in it. I'm like, I don't want to take this. I don't want to take it. Then it's just meth in a different form. And that's not an illegal drug. And then you're telling me now, I'm like, okay, well, the plant that grows in the ground, and I dry it out and I eat it, that's the illegal drug that I should be the most afraid of. I don't know. I don't believe in that. No, I don't uh, buy it either. And well, even if you want to compare it to alcohol, right? Like we know yeah. alcohol is addictive. We know that it's habit forming and we know that it's toxic in relatively small quantities. Yeah. And, it, and we know that it's killed a lot of people. And it's fully legal and it's yeah. fully legal and people and people drink and they drive and we unfortunately see, you know, many tragedies from that on a daily basis. Yeah. Heartbreaking. Uh, it's heartbreaking. And magic mushrooms are not, they are psychedelic. And I'm not saying you should jump behind the wheel of a car. That's not what no. I'm saying at all. But not at all. But you, but they're non-habit forming. They're non-addictive. They're non-toxic. Um, but they're totally illegal. And they have medicinal properties that we know of, but they're totally illegal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I, I, it's crazy. I think part, I, 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 this is where I get conspiracy-ish, where it's like, I think part of it is, is, how tough these things are to control, right? Pot's tough to control when it's legal because, you know, now people have to go to people's places and count plants, right? They go, oh, you can only have this many plants. So what do you do when you legalize mushrooms? Oh, you can only have this many mushrooms. Uh, Clearly, like, you'd have to put in rules about driving safety. And that, when it comes to pot, I was reading a thing about Colorado. That was the only place where they saw an increase was in driving, uh, traffic fatalities increased after pot was legalized. Everything else was better or the same. Like they didn't find over an overconsumption. That it didn't. Not all of a sudden, everybody was doing it. They didn't find crime increase. They, it actually went down. The only problem that they did have was traffic fatalities increased. And I haven't seen any data for Canada yet, and it's only been a year, so that's probably why we haven't. But I wonder if we're going to see a similar pattern here in Canada. Um, and then I wonder that type of thing with the legalization of something like mushrooms, if they were legalized, would we see more traffic fatalities? Would we see more workplace injuries? Um, which once again, that's personal responsibility, but we do have to have laws because people aren't always personal responsible. Would that be a fear that you would have if it was legalized? Um, possibly. I mean, because there is always a risk for, there's always a risk for abuse. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if we're talking traffic fatalities from cannabis, it's because people are driving impaired. Right. Yeah. And, um, but the other thing is, too, is I always I always question statistics and where the statistics come from. Like, are we looking at overall traffic fatalities? How much is the population of Colorado grown? Yeah. Or is this, is this per capita? Um, what's what's going on here? Was, was the weather? Are these when when are these fatalities happening? Are they happening in the winter? Was it an especially bad winter in Colorado? This, you know, in the last year? Those are the kinds of questions that I would have. I don't think you can just. Um, you know, simply take a statistic and think, and, and you know, say, well, the other thing that happened this year was pot was legalized. Yeah. This is the reason why we're seeing more traffic fatalities. Correlation does not necessarily indicate causation. Absolutely. Or as my dad likes to say, <laughs> statistics are like a bikini. What they show you is intriguing, but what they conceal is vital. <laughs> I love your dad. <laughs> I know. That's a pretty hilarious Dale quote. It's one of his favorites though. And it's so true, right? I'm we we do and, and I'm gonna quote your dad. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but that's it's it is very much that statistics are easy to manipulate to what you want, right? We do it in marketing all the time, right? You know, you find the statistic that best fits what you want to tell people and you use it. And that statistic isn't necessarily wrong, but that doesn't necessarily show you the whole picture. Yeah, so my, I'm not. I'm not overly worried that we would see no. a whole that because I mean, people like magic mushrooms are quite readily available now. If you want to find magic mushrooms, you're you're going to be able to find yeah, them. I have no and idea. I haven't. I haven't been looking for a long time. Same with every other drug, right? Yeah. Want to do coke? You're going to be able to find coke. Yeah. I'm, I'm told, I'm in Fort McMurray, so odds are, <laughs> I'm told if I wanted ever wanted cocaine, I could find it pretty darn easily. <laughs> I'm told the 7-Eleven, behind the 7-Eleven is the place to go, but I've well, never we, been there. We had a Crack Max in Calgary, so. <laughs> what? We had, a, we had a Crack Max. A Crack, like a, like a Max convenience a store? A Max store that's known as the Crack known Max. Known as the Crack Max. I, I don't know if the name means anything. I've never went, to, I've never been to the Crack Max for anything. <laughs> <laughs> But 
Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, we do live in a world where if you want any of those types of things, you can get it. Yeah. Right? So There's, as far as like more death and destruction and car accidents and stuff as a result of them, I I don't know. I think we're more at risk from things like opioids than like fentanyl. Yeah. And, well, that's that's the thing that scares the crap out of me. That's the yeah. thing that scares the crap out of me. And 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 I I generally have the thought sometimes of like if we are looking at and legalizing some more of these. You know, like mostly mushroom, mushrooms out of all of them. Um, is that not actually going to maybe even help us in the long run by deterring people from desperately taking the ones that are more and more and more deadly? I don't personally see, as you said too, that's not a it's not a, a habit forming, it's not addictive, but I also don't see it as a gateway drug. I don't see people going. I like mushrooms. I'm going to go and try something that's going to be heavier. Like that doesn't strike me as though it's been any type of conversation I've ever had about mushrooms. The type of experience that people are seeking, you get through something like mushrooms. If you want something a little bit different, you go to something like DMT or ayahuasca. It's not like, oh, I like mushrooms. I'm going to go to fentanyl, cocaine, crack, meth. That's not the road that I see. No, and one thing that people don't know about mushrooms is they're actually um, they're actually anti addiction, and magic mushrooms are being used to treat addiction. Yeah, um, there's a great uh, there's a great movie that we, you know I talked about it a bit before the show called yeah. Dose, and in Dose that's exactly what they do. They show how um, high doses of magic mushrooms and um, ibogaine, which is a synthetic uh, synthetic version of um, iboga, and they show how those psychedelics can be used to treat addiction, and the success rate that they're having with it is in, is incredible. Um, people are being, you know, they're receiving, they're, they're going through one treatment session with mushrooms or um, ibogaine and both psychedelic drugs, um, definitely. And they're doing these, this, I should mention, in supervised medically, like um, not medically by doctors necessarily, but, um, you know, they're, they have therapists that are facilitating these um, journeys with, um, with these substances. And people are coming out on the other side free from addiction after huh after treatment and oftentimes microdosing is used afterwards just to like you know increase their connection to their life and their process just to keep them kind of on the right track and um moving in the right direction but you're seeing they're seeing like in dosed i mean she's being treated with all kinds of um all kinds of really you know crazy pharmaceuticals and stuff like that just to try to you know treat her for drug addiction to um to heroin and i believe it's heroin and cocaine yeah, yeah, wow. and uh and she and she's able to bust through like essentially an addiction she's had since she was a teenager and um the the, the woman that whose story it follows and it's, it's really quite incredible so um often whenever we think about drugs i mean people i don't know we're children of the 80s right people we were yeah. drugs 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 you know? yeah, yeah. which are <laughs> which good are which are bad that, ask right? your mom or ask your dad <laughs> Take I literally like I can barely remember my own address. I can sing that entire song. <laughs> right. And there would be commercials on TV where it was like, This is your brain, this is your brain on drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Another <laughs> classic. Yeah. And, you're, and, you're, and your brain is fried from these drugs. And so it's you can't I you can't um I can't blame people in society for you know when you talk about magic mushrooms and for them raising an eyebrow and saying like you know, are you sure? Like, are these things dangerous? Um, or they, they look at you and they worry that you're, you know, maybe going to become an addict or something like that. Um, with mushrooms, that's, um, it couldn't be farther from the truth. It's very opposite to what most people think. Yeah. Well, but that, once again, it comes back to the lumping in of everything that's an illegal drug is the same, right? Yeah. Oh, it's an illegal drug. Well, you just don't touch it because it can kill you and you'll end up you know, in an alley dead or living in a cardboard box. Like that's the instant feeling that we were shown as children. This is what this stuff will do to you. Even though the substances are so wildly different in their makeup and stuff like that. And we were also told, you know, ask your parents, which drugs are good for you and which drugs are bad for you. And all of our parents were born in like the sixties. Exactly. Well, in the fifties and raised in the sixties. Well, we listen to our doctors, and they go, "Well, these are the pills that they tell us to give you for anxiety, and this is what they tell us to give you for this." And we all know too that that's a crooked system in some ways too, right? Um, I think, and I'm not a person. I am really not a person that's like the natural way is the way to go. A lot of times, there's pills that are great. 
I love an aspirin. You know, I love some of that type of stuff. But I also think that there's things in the natural world that we have kind of ignored for a while. And that's why this, that's why this mushroom thing is very interesting to me. Because well, and the thing is, too, is like lots of people are taking like antidepressants. And again, yeah. if, if you need, if you need some people who need to take antidepressants, that's, that's legit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But there's lots of people who are taking antidepressants, and unfortunately, like the antidepressants aren't helping them. And so they're, and they're, and they're exhausting their options and they don't know where to turn. And, um, for people who are in those situations, microdosing or generalized anxiety, right? Like micro, they may not be doing well on their medication and maybe they never have. There's lots of scientific evidence that shows that the placebo effect is just as good as yeah. the, as the, not, the actual effect of the drugs. And so there's lots of skepticism right now about, um, you know, how, how well that, you know, how much the drugs are actually doing for us. Um, mm-hmm. And we acknowledge that in our society, mental health is something that affects nearly everybody at some point in their lifetime or somebody that you know at some point in your life. And well, I think it's – when it comes to the discussion of what mental health is, is people have this obsession like it's like, well, if you have a mental health problem, you're a crazy person. No. There's, there's different types of mental health issues. I think we all have mental health issues. But oh, some yeah, of us sure. are – you know, some of us get colds. You know, and so every once in a while, we're just a little sad, you know, like I definitely have a problem. Um, what's it called? The seasonal affective disorder. I've been told yeah. I have got it. Uh, multiple doctors. I definitely, and I completely agree with them. I definitely have a different time in the winter and in the cold than I do in the summer. Um, you know, some people get what would be the equivalent of colds when it comes to mental health. Some people get sick often when it comes to mental health, and some people have chronic illnesses when it comes to mental health. There's no difference in mental health than there is in physical health. Everybody has the ability to get sick in a mental health way, I think. And that's my thoughts. I'm not a doctor, but that's my thoughts, and I think that we need to look at it that way because we instantly instantly put anybody with a mental illness in this box of like, oh my God, you're a, a mental ill person. Uh, you know, we all have the ability to be mentally ill. We all have the ability to be mentally ill. There's just different degrees of it and different types of mental illness. And what you just talked about too, I think is a big thing in that um, there's no one solution for one person. It's like diet. Like we all like to think one diet's going to make everybody physically healthy. But based on our makeup, Different diets have different effects on different people. Different drug residences, different types of things have different effects on different people. And I know that's a scary concept because you want to be able to just say, oh, you have this, then you need this. Even the different stretches <coughs> in anxiety, there's so many different levels and, and ways that people have and deal with anxiety that one drug as a solution isn't good. And we have drug companies that each one of these drug companies wants to push their one drug solution on these ideas, and it's not going to work. So I think when we're bringing it back to what we're talking about, I think that microdosing has a potential to be a, a solution for a lot of people. And it's something, the scary part of that is it's something you have to attempt in order to see if it's something for you or not. And the beautiful thing about what you're doing is you're helping people, giving people guidance on how to use this if they so chose to do so. Because unfortunately, from what you've told me, it seems to me as though we don't have any sort of way that a doctor could give you direct guidance. And we don't have a boatload of research right now to really tell you what what's going to work and what's not. So it's kind of it's 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 in that sort of pioneering stage where we're trying to figure out the ways to work with this, and that's what you guys are doing. Am I correct in everything that I just said? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, people people are always looking um, looking to be healthier and be better. And if you can't if you can't get that, if you're really, and I mean, you have to know yourself to a certain extent and be really honest with yourself and have a good conversation with yourself and and, and your doctor or your, your therapist, those types of people, those people, those professionals. It's like you should, you should use them and you should talk to them about it. But if your prescriptions and your drugs aren't working for you, we fully encourage people to talk to their doctors about mm. microdosing. They may not even know, they might, they might know what it is. They might not know what it is, mm. but there are healthcare providers even here in Calgary who are well aware of it and who support people in microdosing, um, therapists, um, psychologists, psychiatrists, medical doctors. 
there are a few. Um, there's actually a conference coming up in Calgary um, called Catalyst Calgary. If you go to their website, you can um, go to the conference and attend, and you can learn from you can learn from these professionals. It's being held at Mount Royal University, huh. and um, it gives the general public an opportunity to to learn about this and uh, and and hear about it firsthand from professionals and researchers and find out more. But it's definitely, you should use every resource you have in your pocket, whether it's a, you know, whether your healthcare provider is a medical doctor, naturopath, whoever, yeah. uh, traditional Chinese medicine, talk to, talk to them about it. Because like, let's, let's be honest here. If you've been taking medication, um, especially medication for a really long time, the decision to stop it, even if you perceive it not to work for you, is not something that should be taken lightly. No, and that's a scary thing too when it comes to that medication because when people perceive something's not working or they don't need it anymore, a lot of times it's because the medication's working. Right. <laughs> oh, I don't need this anymore. I'm happy. I don't need this. Ugh, it's not making me happier. Then you quit it and then you're like, oh, yeah, it was the thing that was doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, and the thing is, too, is the medication might be working, but you also have a lot of people who look at medication and they're like, yeah, it's working. It seems to be working for me. But then they look at the list of side effects or all yeah. of a sudden they're placed in another medication and the drugs, they're, they're concerned about interactions and things like this. And so um, even if your doctor doesn't like it, there are ways, you know, you can still work with them mm. to wean yourself off of a medication and try something different and natural. Absolutely. You also have to, but I think if you're doing this, you always need to tell, like, talk to your doctor about it. But I think you should also tell, like, the people in your immediate support network what you're doing and have, you know, people that know you very well. So that if you say, hey, like, you know, this is what I'd like to do, you know, let's have lots of talks and conversations while I go through this process and see how, um, you know, see how I'm doing honestly. And I want you to tell me and, um, you know, have people that are looking out for you so that if you really should be, you know, going back to a more conventional treatment modality, um, you know, you're being alerted to that sooner rather than later. Yeah. It's always tough when you're one of those people that, uh, has to go through these types of things when it comes to mental illness, it always feels like the first reaction is to sort of hermit and sort of not tell people about these types of things and not talk about it and not get people involved. But that's really the absolute opposite of what you need to do when it comes to these types of ideas and thoughts yeah. is we to tell, really we tell, everybody that we tell everybody about our cold. Yeah. Well, that's just it. But that's the problem. <laughs> like this is one of the problem is, is like we are, we are like constantly willing to tell people about physical issues for the most part. We're Even constantly willing to talk about physical. Exactly. Oh my God. Did you see what I just coughed up? Oh, I'm going to take this. I'm lucky. But then when it comes to mental health issues, there's just that still that stigma there that it's the last thing you want to be honest about is mental health issues and the last thing you want to tell people about it because you don't want them to be, oh my God, I can't believe this person's talking about their stupid uh, bipolar again. It's like, well, no, this is kind of a really big disease to have. If I had cancer, you wouldn't be saying, oh my God, I can't believe he's talking about his cancer again. You or know, diabetes. Or diabetes or right? any of those chronic illnesses, right? Like, MS, you know, like I can't believe that person's talking about their MS anymore. No, you'd never do that. But the, everybody's perception is, is like the minute you talk about your bipolar, like they're going to be like, oh my God, he's talking about his bipolar again. It's like, well, no, you know, like we need to have these discussions and having these discussions is going to make it better for us to recognize mental health. And I believe, and, I, and this was another overarching part of this podcast, as I believe that we are not living in a world that is conducive to anybody's mental health. No. I don't think we're living in a world that is really set up for anybody to be mentally healthy. No. I mean, you look at the cost of therapy and I, I know so many people who've wanted to have therapy, but then they say things like I can't get therapy because I don't have benefits. Yeah. Or, or I ran out of benefits. So I guess I can't get any more therapy yeah. or, you know, they like, they just, they don't know what their options are. And then we run into the American problem, which is we're tied to our jobs and we're tied to our money when it's based on our health. And that, to me, is not the point. Like we live in a, in a, in a, I hate to say it, socialist, uh, you know, semi-socialist, you know, uh, healthcare system. But like, really, we're not looking at mental health in the same way that we, we look at physical health in that sense. And we should be. Because everything is just so intense, so busy, so in our faces now 
that for those the um, among us that absorb so much, it's become unlivable. Like it's really become unlivable. Um, and and the solution for that for so many people is to fill that fill that full of pills. And I'm like, well, like in the long term, that shouldn't be it. If everybody's on the pills, maybe we need to change how we're all living. You know, if a few people are on the pills, that's okay. But if everybody's on the pills, I think maybe we're looking at it the, the opposite way that we should, that we need to make adjustments to how we're all living. Because in the end, it's all about how we're living and, 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 and having a happy life. And the rest of it is just a big game to me. I don't know. But well, that's an overarching thing. But I, back to the microdosing. Microdosing makes it a little bit better, right? Makes it easier, yeah. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. Makes life a little bit easier. I don't think we need to, to make it much bigger than that. Um, and if people want to take in what you're doing, where do they go? Again, um, best way to find us is just search us out on. I think YouTube is probably is our biggest. YouTube is our biggest platform. So okay. Search neuro growth on on youtube and we have lots of videos there and lots of great content that uh, myself and my partners created and um, i think i think it'll answer probably the vast majority of people's questions that they do have about microdosing and we're really active on that platform so if you comment we're going to engage if you um go to our website neurogrowth.ca and message us on our website um we have like fully encrypted emails we can yeah. talk to about your about your questions you don't have to worry about that being unsecure um it's always confidential um because even though we talk openly about magic mushrooms yeah we know that not everybody wants to do that yeah so yeah so it just gives you a different different ways that you can communicate with us we also have an instagram and facebook um you can find us on there under neurogrowth and we're happy to take your questions and yeah but you're not a you're not once again you're not a store so people if they're looking to buy a that's you're not the place to go just to keep the fuzz no. off you. Yeah, no, right? if, if they're looking to buy it or make it themselves, if they're looking to make it themselves, we can we talk about that on YouTube. Um, if they're looking, if they're looking at buying, um, we can talk to them about you know maybe some cautionary things that they should do if they're looking for a safe source. But again, we uh, nature provides. But we do not yeah. just steal a, steal a quote from Paul Stamets. Yeah. So they're not. Yeah, they're not going to become your dealer. But definitely they're going to give you the information to help to make sure that it keep it as safe as possible if this is something that you want to participate in. Uh, all right, Anya. Um, I, I usually end each podcast, and we're getting to that point. Uh, I usually end each podcast with a question I called, I called read, watch, and listen. It's something that people should read, something that people should watch, and something that people should listen to. It can be on topic. It cannot. It can be random. It can be just something that you love. But uh, that's going to be my last three questions for you. What's something that people should read? If people would like to read something about psychedelics or microdosing, I highly recommend that they read uh, How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan. An excellent introduction to um, a modern a modern look at psychedelics. Yeah, and, I, and that's yeah. one, well, it's yeah. one that's sitting on my shelf too. And... Uh, the reason I picked that up is because I listened to a podcast with him and what I like about him, it's the same reason I like having a conversation with you. Um, it's, it, it, it's taking a look at this type of the psychedelic experience from a, a very scientific yet natural look, right? It's not yeah. about the high. It's not about the, I'm going on a trip, man. It's about, it's, it's taking a look from a, a natural and scientific look uh, it's on my shelf and one that I definitely need to dive into. So I definitely agree with that one. Uh, what about watch? What's something that people need to watch? Something that people watch. I think look up uh, the dosed movie yep. on, um, on either YouTube to see the trailer or go to their website, take a look at that. And, uh, it's a, it's a great movie. We talked about it a little bit already. It's playing at a lot of Canadian locations, it's playing in Calgary. I know at the end of the month, um, we'll be there. Come say hi. Yes. <laughs> Um, I yeah, wish I could make it down. That'd be it's cool. Played in Edmonton already. I think it may actually have played in Edmonton twice now. It's it's all it's going all over the world. Um, looks like um, certainly all over Canada and the United States. Uh, definitely, definitely go check that out. But buyers in advance, guys, because seriously, it sells out everywhere. 
I think that I maybe this is a bit of a side note, but that happens. Why well, it's called Wander? Um, I think that podcasts may have had a pretty good effect on on micro dosing and magic mushrooms too, as it seems oh, to be yeah. something that really gets a lot of conversation on podcasts. Tim like Ferriss, Joe Rogan, Joe all those Rogan. Guys. yeah, Tim Ferriss is another guy. Um, biohackers, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and that leads me to my next question, which is: Listen, what's something that people should listen to? Something that people should listen to. It's, I'm just trying to think of something that's accessible. Um, I say I say go to the neurogrowth.ca YouTube channel and have a have a watch and a listen there. Um, but if you're going to listen to a conversation about microdosing, um, I would say check out the Joe Rogan podcast, yeah. and you can definitely get an introduction there. And maybe think about microdosing in different ways. There's lots of lots of different uses for it. There's lots of MMA and jiu-jitsu fighters that are using it to get into the flow state so that they're, um, you know, better at their sports. There's people that are moms who are microdosing that you might learn about in these types of podcasts um, and, why, and why they're doing it. People who have anxiety, depression, people who want to be better athletes, people who want to... Um, you know, be a better, be a better boss or people who want to be more focused at work. There's lots of reasons. And those kinds of podcasts like Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan for sure open up those, open up those doors. I was listening to a podcast the other day and they called uh, Joe Rogan, the godfather of podcasts because well, kind if, you're of, a male, if you're a male between the ages of like 18 and 40, you for sure know Joe Rogan. And he's absolutely. Influential on you. Absolutely. <laughs> I, would encourage, I would encourage females, even though it's a very male centric podcast, to check them out. Uh, yeah, I think uh, there definitely is points where he's like super, super dude ish ish. But I think that definitely there's something for women to listen to there. Um, the one that I listen to a lot is Tangentially Speaking uh, with Dr. Christopher Ryan, and he's talked about mushrooms a couple of times, and I find him to be really good. Um, and Kyle Thierman is another one. He's a surfer in LA, but he talks about these types of things as well, and I find him to be really good as well. Um, and you were on a BBC podcast, you were telling me, too. Bit of a yeah. different note, but that's something that people could give a listen to, and I think it's a pretty cool story. And I don't want to say too much other than that, but where can they check that one out? Oh, boy. BBC podcast. I didn't expect you to ask me that. <laughs> Just like, so the BBC podcast, um, it's on BBC Outlook. Finding, finding the Perfect Hairdresser Changed to Live is the name of the, is the, name of the podcast. Okay. Published December 2014, 2019, and it's 17 minutes long. And I just want to leave it at that because I want people to search it out because it's a really, really, really cool story. But I don't want to put that this is not what this podcast is about. Um, but it's definitely something, a, a story worth listening to uh, oh, that you. happened in your life. And uh, it, it's, it's a heart warmer too. Um, it's pretty neat. The coincidences, the universe, how it is, how things are. Uh, anyway, Andrea, thank you so much for... Uh, taking the time to talk about uh, microdosing with me today. It was good to talk with you. It's, it's been too long. Too, friend. 